0: All right, today, another treat. We have Avi Sanchez, a famous comedian here in oh, Chicago. No, famous. <laughs> I'm getting there. We're already laughing, which is a good sign. I'm I, I getting mean, getting there. <laughs> but uh when I say famous, I mean uh I'll uh, I'll intro you. You got uh, you're the winner of the HBO Latino comedy contest in twenty twenty. Stand-up competition. That's Why pretty not? good. Yeah. Um and uh Call it, some people call him the next George Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard that
1: before. No, I, I, just, I was just like, who's the other most famous Latin
0: comic I can think of?
1: Fluffy, Fluffy. I mean, I no, when they're famous, they're they're famous. They ain't like no mid levels that you know about. Right, it's really weird. So, oh well, someday you might even have your own TV show. Who knows? Yeah, but,
0: uh, <laughs> that's the hope. I saw that you had uh, you do a, a legal aliens podcast.
1: Yeah, that's actually on hiatus right now, but we were doing it. That was a fun little podcast we were doing. Okay. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean those aliens. Apparently, they are legal now, uh, because I I saw
1: sixty minutes and
0: it's like, yeah, the government knows all about it, and they're here. They're watching this, uh, yeah, them. age of Aquarius or whatever. I mean, our
1: world's blowing up faster just, than ever. Just so let them through. We're gonna need heads. I always, <laughs> Once well, I always COVID takes people out. We need more <laughs> Americans coming in.
0: I always say about the uh, aliens. Um, God bless them, my friends. They, they, uh, they're here to watch the the. They're, they're they like entertainment because like I always hypothesize that hypothesize that the highest level of enlightenment uh or just evolution you reach a point where life is beautiful and you just like occasionally want to like watch incredible
1: things happen right right it's like why we have ant farms like people watch ants (laughs) to see what they do in their day-to-day because their life is already boring because they would Right, I think we're a little more
0: interesting than ants. Though. I mean,
1: I don't know. Have you ever watched ants? They're pretty crazy. Oh, Yeah. Do <laughs> you, you have an ant farm? No, I haven't had
0: an ant farm. I, mean, I don't like ants. Okay. guess yeah, I guess I gotta get off my high horse and look at some ants once
1: in a yeah, while. Yeah, there's there's a lot of documentaries about them. They're pretty crazy little bugs, man. to okay. take a look. So that's like that's probably what we are as aliens—just a bunch of crazy little bugs. Yeah, I mean, they probably the... stream in
0: HBO too. You know, I mean, <laughs> maybe that's what they're here for—to send back the signals. But uh, yeah,
1: we got way better entertainment, I'm sure.
0: They, I mean, no, they probably have some good stuff too, man, but they're probably, like, stealing our stuff, you know, I mean, and, like, reselling it, but anyhow, um, so every podcast is kind of like a short biography book where, uh, you know, you you learn some lessons, you get inspired, and you also, you get to know someone so that if they met you in the street, they'd be like, yeah, I listen to the podcast, and I kind of know a little more about you, and I don't have to ask stupid
1: questions like, uh, where were you born, Avi? Right, well, I was born in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico? Yeah, I only, I came here as a baby, though, so... My, uh, I've been in Chicago basically my whole life, and then Puerto Rico I would go to during the visits, like summer break and winter break, whenever I had breaks from school, my mom would send me out to PR, and then I spent most of the summers there in my youth, and then once I got to the point where I was like 13 or 14, I was like, I can't go, I got have friends here now, so, but other than that, I've just been in Chicago for the majority of my life. Okay, and when did you first start realizing that you liked comedy? Um, I've always liked comedy. I mean, just the fact that just laughing is always a good thing. I mean, just even just watching comedy movies. And the first movie I can remember watching that was a comedy was probably Spaceballs. And it's probably way before mm. your time.
0: I've heard of it. that. <laughs> like
1: around Airplane? Or is it like... Uh, we'll airplane? see. I, yeah. But like I, Airplane, it was around the same, like early 80s, stuff like that. So it was always those stuff. My first movie, first comedy special I ever saw was in a the theater was Eddie Murphy's Raw. And that's 86, I think, 86 or 88, I forget which year, but, and I don't know if you've ever seen that, but that was probably the biggest you as a celebrity, a comic a person can be, was Eddie Murphy. Like, you have Kevin Hart now, Eddie Murphy was Kevin Hart in the 80s.
0: He made doctors fun. fun. Yeah,
1: (laughs) 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 professors, doctors, people, (laughs) yeah, he made all types of shit fun. Undercover Cops, he was great
0: yeah alright so I guess we'll get serious then you went to high school
1: and then what did you do for college what was your degree uh well college I didn't go I took a good 10 years off of high school and I didn't I just had regular jobs just working like factory jobs and shit like that and then I went to uh, Westwood College a for profit school that tried to teach you computer networking and all that other shit so I saw the commercials, like yeah fuck it I'll try that and I gave it a shot and then uh two years 24, thousand dollars later <laughs> uh, I started doing IT work for a company and I was with them for like 10 years and then they closed they got bought out by a bigger company which is funny because I used to work for a shampoo company and I don't have hair so it was, just <laughs> like, like, and I was it was I couldn't use any of the products but it was, it was a good company I really liked it though but because a good thing they did close is if they would have stayed open I probably never would have continued doing comedy I would have just stuck out of that job. Because you were
0: doing decent over there? I was,
1: yeah, I was having a good enough time. I, I had friends there. I had, like, I was there for, like, 11 years. So if I didn't try to, if I had that job to count, like, to count on as far as money goes. And then once they closed, I started working another job, and I just couldn't take the commute. It was an hour drive every day, you know, nine hours at the job. It was, like, tw- 12 hours of my day, 11 hours of my day. And I would just come home and be beaten, like, I can't do this. So Killed just, your creative spirit a little bit. Yeah, and I i mean, literally, another thing that fucked me, well, the company, was that they didn't, I didn't have a boss on site, so it was just some off-site dude, no one to monitor me. So I was just off on my own, doing whatever I wanted, and I was like, alright, two-hour lunch break here, and I would still just mm. clock in, I was... I was scamming the system at that place anyway, so.
0: I think a lot of people can relate to you, brother. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This whole COVID remote world. That's
1: exact. Here's the thing: I was. You could probably be more productive at home than you were be would be at your actual job.
0: Yeah. Less distractions, office gossip, and drama. Right. Like,
1: yeah, you want to get up and go to your desk. Like here, you just you do your job and watch TV and do whatever, smoke whatever you want to do.
0: So I did read a little bio whatever I could find. So I saw that uh there's not much out there. I'm not that famous. Well you took uh, <laughs> I know. I know this is going to be a big unve- unveiling for you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I saw that you uh All right, so you took you were taking like a comedy class or at one of
1: these jobs? No, so what happened is um there's a producer in Chicago His name is Mike e. O or Michael Kendo. And at the time he was pretty much the only producer that was putting on Latino comedy shows. And it's when people hear Latino comedy shows, I don't want them to think that there's just all these are in Spanish and it's not accessible to everybody. It's just Latino comics, which is hard for us to get into, stand up anyway, just break into the mainstream. But he would what he would do is he'd bring in national headliners to uh, to perform for his shows, and then he would tell them, he like, hey, if you come in like on a Thursday, you can just teach a workshop and like we'll charge you, keep all the money. He would let them keep whatever money they charge. It was like, I think I might've paid fifty bucks for two days. So it was like a Thursday and then a Saturday afternoon, and all that money went to the guy. Uh, his name was Rich Ramirez. He passed away though, but um, so, but I took that, and then it was just he was basically just teaching us how to like structure jokes and all that stuff. Because when you first start doing comedy, all your jokes are ten minutes long. You're just telling these long-winded stories that aren't going nowhere. So they just gave us the the foundation of how to like structure a joke, and I took like three or four of those workshops with different comics, and it was it worked out. I mean, I honestly, I feel like that was a better way to go than just go in blind and not know what to do, and then you're struggling for the first four or mm-hmm. five years. Right. For me, I took those workshops, hit the mic, open mic, took off running, and I started doing shows. And it's like it was a way better process for me than struggling through open mics and not getting laughs. Right.
0: Yeah. I, I was watching. Uh, sometimes I watch comedians in cars just to see Jerry talk with everybody. Yeah. Uh, and they were. I think it was Steve Harvey, and them were joking about like. How, like, if you're going to a comedy class, then, like, you're fucking up. Because, like, you can't teach comedy. You can't teach
1: someone how to be funny. Like, you still have to have, you still have to be a funny person. Like, you still have right. to be able to make jokes, talk to your friends, make them laugh. But with the comedy workshop, I wouldn't even call it a class. It was just a workshop of, like, us writing stuff down and then dude telling us how to edit our stuff. So it was the same way as, like, you can't teach somebody how to draw, but you could teach them little tips about... Lighting, shadowing, and shit yes, like that. Yes. So it's like you can't teach someone the artistic ability, but you can guide them and give them tips to to mold it a little bit better. And that's all they did. Like, there's no class is going to tell you if you're not a funny person. There's no class that's going to make you funny.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I I read. All, I'm also I, I just finished up like Matthew McConaughey's book, and he talked about how when he went to acting classes, eventually like messed him up, and he had to like unlearn what he'd learned just to be more raw. But like, I think I think sometimes that can be said about some people. Um, whereas majority of us appreciate some structure, you know, I mean, it's, it's definitely, it's not as comforting, but, uh, you're just, I guess there's at the same time, like you can, you, you save a lot of time. Would you agree yeah. like, on, on failure? Yeah.
1: Cause, uh, structure, if, if you're just going at it on your own and you have no idea, no one telling you like, Hey, this is the wrong way to do it. You're going to, you might end up keep banging your head doing the wrong thing. And if somebody gives you a guideline that you can now, you have this little path you can follow, and then uh, you can branch out a little bit here and go a little bit this way, that helps a lot more than just, all right, get from here to there and figure out the way. Right. And okay. it's like, just give me some, some direction. It's like, go north. Okay. I, it's north. I'll go that way a little bit.
0: Yeah. Like, no, you're open to wisdom or... of of. Yeah, and
1: you can't be closed off to, to advice and to learning from people, so it's... The people that don't like it, it's like they're closed off, they think they got the r- right. right way to do it, and then they get stuck, and then they get frustrated and want to quit comedy. But. Yeah. So how quickly did you find success slash quit your job? Uh, well, I quit, I was about maybe five years in, and then I was just like, I can't, I can't do this job no more, so I was just going to quit, and then figured out a way to just do stand-up full-time. And uh, luckily, I mean, I cashed out a 401k, like it wasn't like I just quit and just started making money doing stand-up, like I still struggled, sold weed, like I found out a way to like make money and then still do shows and just get better at stand-up and that's, and that actually helped me because now it was, stand-up's the only job I actually wanted to get better at, so doing shows and shows and only thinking about stand-up and not having to worry about another job helped me out way more and like. Some people can't do that though. Some people don't have the luxury of having a 401k from a 10-year job. That they right. can't cash out. Like I can't retire. Like I'm fucked. Like I have no money to retire on, but are you cash flow positive though? Like right now? Like uh yeah, thanks earning? to the COVID government. <laughs> like i probably right. really made more money last year than I did, ever did doing stand up.
0: Right. So you're technically unemployed while you while you make money on comedy? Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah cuz comedy usually I mean, I'll get paid in checks from like the clubs, but like most shows are just paid in cash. And right. then most people, if they run a bar, they do some kind of shady shit, like, okay, here's a check and I'll give it to me and I'll pay you in cash, like it's just for their books. <laughs> and it's like, if I don't got to fill out a 1099 or whatever, or a W9 form for them, then... I'm good. I'm just paying cash. Like, all
0: right. So you're, I guess, what's your angle? Then you're, you're not like angle, but you love. You're doing what you love. You're making it work thanks to the government. All right. I mean, I always. I think as, you're bringing joy to people. So I always thought about this, like,
1: well, the government thing that was just a, that pandemic. That was just pandemic money they were giving away. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to take advantage yeah. of that. It was like I don't collect unemployment now. I would just collect it for that. Like even that was just like the because I couldn't do shows. Like I was legit on. I was self employed, but right. I was So legit, you were like, like, yeah, yeah. It was like even now I'm listed as self employed and i get tiny i get 10 from most of the clubs and other but most of the local shows they're just going to pay you in cash anyway so i get mostly paid in cash and as i go on the road then i'm getting paid in checks and all that other stuff but have you
0: ever like had a people buy tickets to go to your show
1: yeah i uh, headline anies for a whole weekend right as soon as the pandemic is over we open up it back in march and i want to say i did five shows there sold out the pandemic crowd that i could sell out and all those people i mean from an unknown comic in Chicago to sell out, right. like I mean, I have some people that follow me and they want to see me, but other than that, it was a majority of people that had no idea who I was, and yeah, I gave them a show five uh two nights a week or two nights out of the two shows a no. night for.
0: How, how hard is it to get up on uh, like Netflix? Because I know I, sometimes I'll watch like stand-up on Netflix, but like how hard is it to get up out there? And Shit, I don't know. Uh, if I did, I'd know. Is that, that's, that's probably where you make it. And, and uh, well,
1: I mean, you, there's so many avenues now to make it that it's not the same as like before. It used to be like you had to get on uh, The Tonight Show, yeah. Conan Bryant. Now you don't even need to do that because you have the internet, you have social media. And you could put up a clip, and then if that just goes, and then now you're just getting followers and all that stuff, like, then people start paying attention to you. So, now, it's not even the same as it was before. Netflix, it's still probably going through management and agents and stuff like that, but, like, I honestly don't know how to get in, but you don't really need as much, you don't have to rely on those gatekeepers as you did before, you just put it up on YouTube. YouTube. there's, there's yeah. comics that are putting up full hours on YouTube and they're just like, all right, here it is, and then they get monetized, and then they, but they can sell out clubs now because those people are have saw that special. So building the
0: YouTube following is pretty key. Building right
1: social media, yeah, social media in general, because even clubs now will look for you to see if you got that check mark before they headline you. Like right. if they're a national club, they'll check to see if you got enough followers, because that means you'd be a draw in that city. So like in Chicago, I could probably sell out a show on my own. And I have done. I did back in 2019. I sold, I think, 300 tickets to Joe's on Wee Street. I sold out all that to myself. I was the headliner. It was me and one other, a featured comic, and that was it. But um, once you get on the road, and you got to, you got to have that that following. So they're looking at your numbers to see, all right, can he get? Does he have 1,200 fans in this city? And that's basically what you need: 1,200 fans in in every city, in every city, in every major city that you want to go to. Some places are just like. Like, you can go to a, a club that they're just there because that's the only comedy club, so they would have gone anyway. Right. And Or sometimes they just give out free tickets, and you're like, all right, well, fuck it. Like, a lot of times, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. then yeah. drink
0: minimum gets you on that. But... Right, yeah. It's
1: like the Laugh Factory gives out a ton of free tickets to their shows. Yeah, like, I don't even need your drink. promo code. I already got balls. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, when it comes to your comedy, I guess... You're, you're, you keep releasing stuff YouTube or other places
1: and... Yeah, my um, thing is I, I just put stuff minute clips on Instagram so that way the material is not burnt. Right. Because like I, in one minute you'll get that, that joke but that joke's actually five minutes long. You know what I'm saying? So it's right. like you get that one part of the joke and then you hear if you do a show and they hear that one minute and then you add an extra four like oh shit and it's that's not some, boring They're it's a completely worth, different joke. so worth about. going yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: Yeah. My favorite comics are the ones that are successful they just put out a lot and use Instagram as a way to, like one of my favorite comics in Miami Manny Garavito he has, runs a comedy network of shows and stuff and uh, he uh, he does like his
1: comedy podcast like every day I think I might have known is Manny? it Manny Yeah, He's also a uh, Cuban, Cuban yeah. guy. I think I met him in Chicago yeah he came up to visit around everything every yeah yeah and I met him when I was I filmed out in uh, Florida for the HBO thing yeah did he compete against you no see I don't know uh so what happened in 2019 I submitted for the the comedy thing the HBO thing I got in I was one of the finalists I didn't win and then 2020 I thought I was burnt on that just because I already had the finalist I asked him if I could do it again they're like yeah so then I submitted again and I got in again and that's when I won so I don't know like how they picked whoever but they I don't know or if he even submitted for that so it's it wasn't, like, a competition against... Uh, the only people I competed against were, like, for the finalists. Right. So, I you know... Who were the judges? Were they all Latino, or...? Um, the judges for the first one, one in 2019, were, like, three... It was, like, someone from HBO representative, uh, a comedian, like, a, his name was Angelo Lozada. He passed away, as well. He was a judge, and I can't remember who the third judge was, but it was three... Three judges there and then I don't know I think it might have been three judges for the one that I just did in 2020 and then they let the audience kind of like they they base it off audience reaction as well too so okay yeah
0: yeah man so where do you draw inspiration right now like obviously most comedians everyday life blah blah, blah stuff happening but do you ever find yourself like obviously a lot of stand-up is about writing that write out the content too. like where yeah. do you find
1: yourself most creative these days um in conversations so like if I'm just bullshitting with my friends and then we start talking and then, or uh, and then they might even say something like oh man that's a funny line I can use that yeah. or like if I'm saying something I'm going off on a rant and like oh fuck let me I gotta stop a conversation start putting it in my phone so I can remember it but everything mostly for me just comes from conversations and just like just watching like I'm a, I'm an observationalist where I just see things and I'm like all right. How can I tweak that? What's, what bothers me about that? <laughs> and how can I make it so that everyone agrees with me that I'm right? That <laughs> should bother you. Like, that should bother you as well. And that's pretty much what my goal is. Just, like, I see things, I'm like, alright, how does this, how does this bother you? This should stir up something in you. And... Right. I feel like that's what every comic, every successful one is They they say something that relates to the person. Like, we're putting words to their thoughts. So, like, there's, there's been plenty of times where I've been telling a joke and I could see people in the audience like nudging, like this is you, this is what I'm talking, this is yeah. what I was trying to tell you, and then like that's that that for me is like okay, I know this joke is working, is like because they're reacting to the person next to them. You're right?
0: basically, uh, you know, you're sharing some truths that some people have not been able to articulate, maybe because they're, right, yeah. they're not as yeah, you're not because they don't know how or... they
1: just they just know that they feel this way about that thing, or I make them see something like oh fuck, I never even noticed that, and now I can't stop noticing that like. And it's just, that kind of makes me feel good, too. It's like, yeah,
0: it's, that's, I think that's what comedians have always been really amazing for in the community. It's just, like, calling out bullshit. Or, like, just calling things as they are with no fear of, like, repercussions, you know?
1: Right, because, I mean, we it's all under the guise of, like, we're clearly joking. Now, there's some people that you, could, you can hear them talking, like, fuck, that person really means that. They're really angry about this. And, right. like, it stops being funny at that point. When people really can kind of sense that you're you're upset by this or something bothering you, then like, they kind of pull back like, oh, fuck, all right. <laughs> that was a very racist thing. That was not serious. Like, that was a serious statement. He just said... So, luckily, I haven't had that where I kind of just... Everyone kind of knows I'm playing around. Yeah, okay, I got, yeah. I got a big segment, like, chunk of jokes now just based around my dog. And I kind of take the opposite view of everyone else and how they feel about their pets. And it's kind of like now... It took me a while to learn how to the language to make it work towards, like, man... He might beat his dog, and now it's just like, <laughs> oh, no, this guy actually loves that dog. He's just frustrated with blah, blah, blah type shit. So it's like, yeah. it takes a while.
0: A lot of people can relate to dog jokes, too, or they just love dogs where it's like a thing they care about. I mean, it's a little harder to make, like, baby jokes, but there's been some I've heard. Right. Yeah, <laughs> there's, I mean, there's,
1: so, there's some great baby jokes, but at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> not everyone can relate because the babies grow up so fast. I mean, I guess right. dogs and people also have short life Not everyone. Too. Not everyone can have a baby. <laughs> but everyone can get a dog, you know. Yeah, like yeah, it's, it's more a, relatable. to It's the definitely masters. more accessible to get a dog than it is a kid. Yeah, it's just, a little bit... just it's way easier to get a dog than it is ever I agree. I agree. Uh, you can just go to one and get one tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs>
0: literally, that's how I got my dog. <laughs>
1: we're like we're close wait today. Wait nine months for a baby. Yeah, yeah, we're like we're close today. Come pick it up tomorrow. Like all right, fine, go get the fucking dog tomorrow.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I remember uh, I first saw you at the Laugh Factory on a Tuesday. I often go there on Tuesdays, and yeah, that show was fire. Just kind of hear like people, and yeah, I was it was a good set you had there, and I wanted to come up to you after, so I, I got your digits. But um, I remember one joke struck out of me, and it was it was about the Chicago racism or the, just the scene. Oh, the segregation. It was about the Lunchables, yeah. Chicago segregation as yeah. a Lunchables, but it, yeah. you, you actually really made you made it, like you made me look at it differently and kind of heal me in a way like i, I, I even i told you that our, our, our last mm-hmm. one of our last podcasts was like a a barber from high uh, park hair mm-hmm. salon where obama got his haircut and he was actually the first african-american on the podcast uh-huh. not for lack of me asking african-americans it All was right. just like it's just like combination of like oh you've only interviewed white people like i'd be the first one it's like yeah combination of that and like everyone being so far but like i asked plenty of awesome people to interview but none of them wanted to come through but ac finally came through and so i shared with him that i was a little like oh like why do i just have all these white eastern european people on my podcast that's all it is And it's like i want i want to kind of show showcase chicago greater chicago that it's very colorful that's got a lot of diversity but your joke really made me just like chill out about the whole thing because you opened my eye to like your joke is basically that chicago is like a lunchables box where You got like, yes it is segregation, you got all the different like- We're in the same pack. All the different compartments (laughs) and, and, and everything's like separated. But when they want to come together, they do. And at yeah. the festivals, they come together. Yeah. And basically, when you make a little Lunchables like sandwich, you, put, you <laughs> take the cheese, the meat, the, the cracker. Yeah. <laughs> right? And, and, and you basically eat it, and it's all together, yeah. and it's okay. So like, as long as everyone travels and explores and goes to these festivals and celebrates in the summer and, and keeps an open mind, like it's, it's fine. Yeah. It and and it there's is. people that
1: don't leave their neighborhoods. There's people that have never... Like been downtown, they stay in their whatever neighborhood. They don't know. So it's like when I see when I it's I'm not like being like a white person apologist, but when I see that only white people hang out with only white people, it's like all right, I only hang out with Latinos and Black people. Black people only hang out with Black like we don't give them shit for it. Right. I'm not gonna give you shit because you hang out with the people that you hang out like those are the people you grew up around and those are the people you know. Like, but now if you're completely closed off to the idea of meeting anybody new, then I have a problem with it Right. But the problem, my problem isn't that, oh, this guy only didn't interview white people. Like, maybe he only knows white people. (laughs) And then he gets out more and he starts realizing, oh, I can interview this guy. I meet this guy. Like, that's all it is. It's all about exposure. Like, and that's why I feel like the internet is, like, YouTube is great because now you're introducing white people to all these different races. Like, oh, they kind of do the same shit that we do. It's just that we're white and they're black. And just like, people from small towns might not have ever met a black person. So they moved to a city or they go to a city. And it's like, I can't fault them for not living around black people. Yeah. Like, that's just where they grew up. Is now the fault comes if you're just completely closed off to the idea of meeting anybody of right. a different race or whatever the fuck. Then you have then I have a problem with you. But up until that point, I completely understand. Like, I only hung around with Puerto Ricans and Latinos for the early part of my life. And then I got older and I started working with other races. Like, oh, okay, these people are fine. Like, yeah. Yeah. So,
0: were you living over in Humboldt Park? Isn't that where most Puerto Ricans live? Over well, there? here's
1: the thing. So, I always ask my... I never lived in Humboldt Park. I grew up in Albany Park. And I always might ask my mom, like, when we came from Puerto Rico, like, how come we didn't move into Humboldt Park? And she was just like, too many Puerto Ricans. <laughs> and she's like, I lived in Puerto Rico. I was like, I just wanted to see different parts of this. Like, I didn't want to be stuck in the same thing. So, she just... uh we just moved into a different neighborhood. I mean, there was definitely, like, Latinos around us and all this stuff. It wasn't a completely, like, it wasn't a white neighborhood, but she just she just never thought to live to Humble Park, and we never, every time we moved, we just kept moving further west and north into the city. We never moved out there, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, there's a lot of pockets, but uh at the end of the day, it's it's a big city, too, so, like, you know, it it's takes a, some it's, time to get it's around. It's really and, big. You know,
1: like, I didn't go to the south side of Chicago until I started doing stand-up. And that was eleven years ago. And I've been in Chicago my whole life. So I had no reason ever to go to the South Side because everything and not that it was bad, it's just that right. everything I needed was in my area. Everything right. like, there's I had nowhere to get good food, I know where to get grocery stores. Like there's no reason for me to go to the south side. I wasn't a Sox fan, so there's no reason for me to go down there. Right. So I and I, I know a lot of people's like, I never came up to the north side. It's like it's that big of a city where you can just it's two cities, really. I mean, it's two small little. I know it's, of cities. it's
0: big, man. You just gotta make up excuses, or gotta, I mean, there's more yeah. and more festivals happening where there's excuses, but still, there's so much competition with festivals that it's like, yeah, which one do I go to? You know, right? Like, and if
1: anything, you're gonna go to the one that's closest to you, because like I'm gonna get drunk and I'm gonna walk home. <laughs> like I'm not gonna go to this festival on the south side, right. and then like I'm fucking stuck in a train. I don't know where I'm at. Type shit. It's like I probably well, I'll just meet downtown and we'll be fine. Like,
0: <laughs> so I guess after this conversation, like. Is there a problem in Chicago, or there's not really a problem?
1: I mean, as long as as long as segregation is clearly it, It's definitely a problem. It's a problem. It is because it's not uh, it's not always voluntary. That's, that's, where, it's, that's yeah. where that's where that's right. where like the problem comes in. That it's like still
0: now it's not voluntary. No, like
1: they literally try to force these people. Like they they redistrict shit and like all the voting and all that other stuff still gets right. fucked up based around the communities. And they know like if there's a pocket of African Americans here, then they're gonna try to enforce different will change the the alderman pattern so that way more money goes up this way we include a bigger region of like uh, this block this block is is profitable so we'll kind of keep this block but we'll still keep the money away from that other block so it's still it's segregation is a problem because it's not voluntary. Okay. So it's like it's it's kind of fucked. It really is fucked up because they just built the city kind of that way. Like
0: yeah, it starts way back, man.
1: Like, oh no, it, this is not just a problem that just started now. This is, Chicago's always been a very segregated city, like. Uh, and it's, I don't know what it is if it's politics, if it's fear. It's probably both because fear and politics seem to go together. So how do so, we solve it, man? I mean, uh, sh- you gotta. I don't know how to solve it because if they if if it was a. Issue to be solved. Like you can try to throw more money. Is everyone thinks that it's a, it's a problem that could be solved within this generation. It's like it can't. This has got to be a generational thing that you keep working towards and start like, start integrating more things. And it's like the problem is once gentrification hits, and now you're getting priced out of that neighborhood. Where do you go? And that's the thing is like a lot of it. You're just getting priced out of your own neighborhood. And we're like, man, I used to live here for six hundred dollars, and it was a decent mm. neighborhood. Now they want to put up an all glass building and now I got a fucking coffee shop and a bookstore that we could have had, but now I'm my rent's at 1500 mm. and it's the same building. And it's like, mm. what what am I supposed to do? I know it's all... Because like. it happened over like Logan Square. Logan Square, I don't know if you've ever been over there in Chicago, but it used to be like a regular neighborhood. Now you go down there and it's just like glass buildings, it's like, it's like high rises, condos that people can't afford and it's like all the murals and stuff are gone, like the... Mm. the the neighborhood murals, now they just put up like a big Robin Williams one. Like, it's just, it just changed, the the neighborhood just completely changed. Wicker Park was never like that. It was just always the more hood. It was kind of funny, but
0: yeah, so I, I think more and more, I guess, awareness of, of like what's happening and then like more like giving to great charities that are trying to do great things for the south side. Um, like I highlight some of them on our, like our link tree for the podcast and like cool cool uh, charities like uh, like Coffee, Hip Hop, Mental Health and like, um, you know, uh, My Block, My Head, My City. But there's like, that's only, that's not enough. It's just like, I it's, guess more, yeah, more people it's, need to... It's
1: just, it's more people got to be open to the thing because it's to the concept of like, like the Hip Hop, the Coffee, Hip Hop and Mental Health thing is like for, generate for a long time, it was you never thought of a Black or Latino person going to get therapy taking care of their mm. mental health it was looked at as like you don't do that shit whereas like white people were very free with it like oh hey, i'm going to fucking therapist like you've never heard a black latino say yeah. that we're going to therapy now you're starting to hear that now everyone's starting to get into their it's less of becoming that thing like oh that's white people shit and it's like and now it's becoming like oh no that's human shit like we need to do that and the thing is you get a lot of people that are still holding on to that and they're still rejecting that that's what i'm saying it doesn't happen with just this one generation it's going to have to happen, like, with a person that actually took the initiative to, like, all right, I'm going to get my mental health right. Now I pass that down to my kids, and now my kids know this is okay. So it's a generational thing that's going to mm. have to keep going by. It's never just going to be like, all right, we have this, We mental health is a thing now. It's not like that. You still have to beat, you still have to get those people, like, in your minds that, like, this is okay for me to do. Where before, it was frowned upon for us to be like, you don't go tell nobody your problem. You keep that shit in-house. And then you get drunk, and then that's when you start. Yeah, <laughs> you see, the that, release. That's comes you, yeah, and that's why like there's so many like parties and shit like that in Black and Latino neighborhoods get crazy because now this dad's daddy issues comes out, <laughs> and I'm yelling about my dad to my brother. My brother's like, "No, he was a good guy." You don't, you know what I'm mean? saying? <laughs> so it's like you never got those. You never got. You never worked that out in a professional setting. You just worked it out after you got drunk. You know what I'm mean? saying? So it's yeah. like we gotta, we gotta. People that need the mental health, they get, they can't be stigmatized for wanting to get that help. They need to get. Go get it and be like, all right, cool. This is a person that's clearly trying to improve themselves, yeah. and then that gets passed on to their kid, and their kid knows it's okay, and then boom, 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 further on down the line. So it's, it's it takes a long time because it's generational, so people just have to be patient with it and accept the fact that it's going to take a long time to stick to it, right?
0: Yeah, these things take a lot of time to change, uh, just how people you know view being open. And, and it, you're you totally hit it on the head. I mean, do you think it's it's uh can each and every one of us can it help and volunteer and donate. How much of it is the government's responsibility too? To like direct more money to these neighborhoods and like who do you like? Do you think Lightfoot's done anything for that or? or can uh, we, can-
1: see, my thing was like the government. I'm one of those people that I I'm a very I'm a local person because I can control what happens in my neighborhood and my community. And I feel like everybody else, if they want to do that, they can do that in their community. Like, when everyone's arguing about voting for president, I'm like, you have no idea who your alderman is. Like, you're worried about this president that you're never going to see, never going to do shit, but there's a person that can clearly affect your your way of life. Like, they can get the roads paved. Like, you don't understand how much driving down a paved, clean road would change your mentality day to day if you pull up on your block every single day, and there's potholes over here, and it's, Mm. it's all fucking garbage, like... People look at this big, like America's. Yeah, it's a big country, but you got to realize you got to you got to focus on the things you can control, and that's mm-hmm. your neighborhood. And I think it takes a lot of those people in those neighborhoods to get like active and start focusing on like who's the judges in your district, who's that that type of shit, instead of focusing on the bigger picture. So like. Can Lightfoot help? I guess. But you also can vote for the person that can have an effect on Lightfoot too. So like right. you have steps before you get to Lightfoot. So you got the alderman that like, all right, is this guy got my best interest in mind? Or is he just out for money's clout? Mm. And so you have to focus on the, everyone. I think the focus has to come on a smaller scale, like just your neighborhood, your community, whatever your ward is. And then you can expand from that. And then that's how you would get the change going. But everyone wants to focus on the big picture. Like, on this big thing, and it's like it's not gonna work because then there's too much in your view, and you're like, oh, I can change, I can change. Ah, fuck, I don't know what the becomes focus overwhelming, right? Yeah. yeah, and then you're overwhelmed, and then like, all right, well now I'm just gonna focus on just the president. I don't give a fuck. Like, no, you have to focus on the the the, the, the neighborhood aspect of it, the thing you want to change the most, your area, start that, and then that will grow.
0: Hmm. I couldn't agree more, man. I think also each and every one of us who maybe you know is aware or or you know listens to like high shit. Like, maybe take on that, like, volunteer once a month or once a week or donate once a month or something. At least
1: do something, you know, every one of us can do something,
0: right? Isn't yeah, that- anybody, like,
1: and also volunteering would probably change your view of something, right? And then now you're like, ah, oh, fuck, I didn't even realize that. Like, these people, like, I go volunteer to shelves, like, oh, these people aren't just, like, lazy or whatever, fuck. They're just like, no, they got, they were working two minimum wage jobs and they just got priced out of their neighborhood, so now they're homeless. Yeah. So it's like you got you you start to look at the individual person instead of just like uh, all homeless people are crazy. It's Like no, that guy probably fucking lost his car and he couldn't get to work and then he lost his job and he lost his house. like there's always a a chain reaction of events that happens. That people just focus on the end result and they don't realize what that person got up to there, like what led them to that. So once people start realizing these are the steps that are leading to things, like okay, we could change this right here, boom. We could change this and then now things are happening. Right. Sometimes uh, people, I guess more before remote work, but people used to have like group mind
0: of like, oh, I work for this company and you're just around the same kind of thinkers for so so long that you kind of get group minded. I think if HR people would like listen to the podcast, (laughs) maybe they'll be like, yo, we should do more uh, volunteering. Uh, I think there's a lot of of money, a lot of companies in Chicago that could take more interest, right, because you can't rely on the government for
1: everything, right? No, I mean, like, if you have a company that's in that neighborhood, and that company is not doing anything to improve that neighborhood. That's a shitty company. Because like that's one of the things that made me quit uh, my actual job. Is They had sent out a release like, oh, we've had our most profitable year. We were in the billions, blah, blah, blah. And then they started closing facilities down. And I was like, so now you what they did is they figured out a way to get less people but still make the same amount of money. So now all those people that are losing their job. What happens to them? And it was like this. This company is shitty to me. So I was like, I can't do this. Like you literally don't care about your people. So like I gotta go. Like the other job I had before, they cared about the people. The Ladies, the owners were a family owner, and they literally told us like we don't care what eight hours of the day you give us. You want to give us four here, and then come back, go handle your shit with your kids, and come back at seven and work seven to eleven. Whatever you gotta do, that's fine. Like as long as you get your shit done. And like that's the mentality I like. It's like all right, cool. I don't need. You got to be here eight hours a day. You got to do this. And right. it's like... And then we're all about profits, profits, profits. And we give nothing back to anything. And it, it, people around us, it's like... They just think that paying their taxes or whatever is fine. It's like, nah. I think a company... If you're in a neighborhood... You should do your best to keep those people up in that neighborhood. Like, um, how much money can you make? Right.
0: Like, At some point, you got to share. Like, what you've been gifted so much. Right. Like,
1: okay. Like, yeah. Amazon Warehouse goes up. And now <laughs> all those people that work in that neighborhood, they still live in a shitty neighborhood, but that Amazon plan is nice, and Amazon's not gonna do anything for that neighborhood, right. you know what I'm saying, they're not gonna give out turkeys on Thanksgiving, they're not gonna do no bullshit like that. How do we shame these these people into giving more? <laughs> you like, honestly, I don't, you Jeff Bezos jokes, you, maybe, you can't, on, can't <laughs> no, because when you're that rich, you don't give, you don't listen to anybody, you don't give a fuck, like, so maybe there's I,
0: maybe less rich people who are realizing, if they, if you, if you can make it funny, for me, i like, so If you could be funny for those like, wealthy people who go to comedy shows to be like, you know what?
1: I could be doing more. But like, and a funny twist to it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that would be the thing if you could shame these people. But it's like, you can't shame the shameless. So it's like... It's like <laughs> not everyone's shameless. I think all of us could do more, right? I think uh, everybody, all of everybody could do more. Like, and shit, even I could fucking do more. But or is there a willing to do it? And it's like... Because some people just get disenfranchised. Like, they just see that anything they're doing is not helping. Right. And they're like, man, fuck it. What am I even doing this for? And then they just switch gears and do other shit. So it's yeah. like, but I think a lot of people are now we're based are everything's on instant results. Like I got to see this change within a week. It's like, nah, man, it's a process. It's yeah, a long term process. Like it's, I don't know. It's just something now. Cause we have the internet and all that stuff is instant gratification. It's like boom, boom, mm. boom. I can get instant reward. Whereas before you would have to, you'd, you'd play the longer game. Now it's like, all right, what can I do right now? What can I do right now? What can I do this? Mm. It's, it's a different mentality right now.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think the best is to focus on like the, you know, habits of weekly, monthly habits, but also the intrinsic benefit that you get from feeling like upping your, like you are someone who cares about your community and like that changes how you walk around your town too. Like you care right. about you would the change town.
1: Like if you walk in, you walk through your neighborhood and you know everybody there and you like, hey, what's up? You know what I'm saying? Like, and you can see, even if it's just fucking walking, the, you know, even picking up the garbage and putting it in a garbage can. Like, that would change. Maybe that will... Somebody will see you do that and, like, all right, well, now, maybe now I do that. Like, I'll pick up this garbage can or I'll pick up this garbage and... I, or I won't throw it in the street. Like, it's just... There's little things that people don't focus on that have a have a change. They, they have an impact on something. Like, if somebody saw you do that, they might do that themselves. And then somebody sees them do it. Like, okay, now... Nah. Yeah. Now, motherfuckers are getting mad. Like, why would you throw that on the ground? Like, just yeah. throw it in the garbage can. It's right there. I think we should figure out, like, what,
0: what parts of Chicago are, like, least colorful and just, like, like put some money towards
1: getting, like, kids or people to paint them more bright colors <laughs> and stuff, you know?
0: Miami's yeah. pretty colorful.
1: Well, Miami, um, yeah, they do that just because it reflects the sun. <laughs> See, the thing is, probably, like, Chicago, we have. there's winter. still sun in the winter, right? I mean, and then it goes, reflects on no, the like, white. Yeah, but Chicago Chicago's, is. The snow is cool. That one day, it right. falls and then it's a dingy ass city. I know that's so where. That's why everything's just gray here. Like all the buildings, you try to have a colorful building, that snow will fuck you up. Like what do you a... mean? Like it's not gonna go all the way up to the top of the building. Oh yeah, but then it comes like when it, it's on a roof and it melts down and you just got slush and all this other shit. Yeah. Like it just changes. You're right. Like, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Alright, well maybe more of you guys got to come uh, come down to Florida in the winter.
0: Uh yeah. we, could, we could you know, the Florida coastline, there's a lot of space to be built. <laughs> you know, be a big construction boom. That's one of my dreams. <laughs> it's like even more people in Florida. But uh yeah, man, oh you know, we got pretty serious there. Um uh, what's something that you do to like
1: relieve stress? Uh video games and weed, really. Yeah. And then I that's pretty much it, like because I, I don't really even lead a stressful life. No. no, no. Like, I... <laughs> like, I... I, I That's what it's like. It's when people tell me, like, oh, man, I'm fucking stressed out. I'm like, I can't relate because I don't... Maybe because I don't put a lot of emphasis and, like, I don't stress, like, about stuff. Like, I just know... Like, I haven't had a moment where it's like, how am I going to pay rent? Like, I've always right. figured out a way to do that. I've never stressed about it. I've never had anything I, I truly stress on. And it's... Maybe that's why I look younger than I actually am. But, I don't... Yeah, I, I just... Weed and video games pretty much my only... If I ever get stressed out, I just... I'll smoke and I'll just chill the fuck out. But, yeah. I don't feel like I get... I don't have problems like other people have problems. That's the thing. Okay. So, where, where where could you add a little more... You stress to your
0: life. A little more challenges. Like, where are you looking to grow besides comedy or comedy as well? It'd only,
1: it'd only be comedy. So, it's like now, alright, how can I get out of Chicago? How can I expand... My reach. How can I get to like? Um, how can I start headlining different clubs outside the city? Like, for right me right now, my my only stress is just my uh, is stand up. Right. And even that is not as stressful as it as it as it should be.
0: Right. Well, you don't want to force things either. But right. Uh, you have an like a, a target like a goal of like Instagram followers or something.
1: There's see that's one of those things where it's like I can't control that. Right. It's like I can put out the content. If nobody follows me and nobody sees whatever, then there's nothing I can do. The only thing I can control is what happens when I'm behind the mic in front of an audience. Mm-hmm. And then if I can, if I have a good set and I filmed it and I can send it out to a club and like, all right, we can work with you. Like I can only, I only stress about the things that I can legit control. And what I can control is the performance I put on that night. And is the material that I wrote, is it relevant, is it new, is it fresh, am I not relying on the old shit that I've been doing for years, so it's like, it's not even stress, because it's just work. Right, you're focused so, on your process. Right, so like, yeah, it's just it's just work, it's just a job at this point, it was like, I can't let, even in my regular job, when I had a job, I didn't stress out about it, I'm like, I don't give a fuck, like. Right. Within like, your process, though, I
0: think... That's what I'm learning because I, I run this. I also do this other Instagram channel thing. I think, you know, just enjoying sometimes like sharing things with specific people that they would appreciate, right? So, if, say you have a joke and you're like, you know, that that famous comedian would appreciate
1: this one, maybe yeah. or something like
0: like kind of like dishing people like like directly like at like mentioning more people, you know? Yeah. Well, stuff. what
1: I started doing is I started tagging like I'll yeah. mention or whatever, or just I did learn how to like oh this not learn but like okay this one hashtag will actually build me up oh, yeah? way more views. And it's just like literally just one word. I did a hashtag for only fans. And it like it probably got the most likes, most shares out of any joke I put up. It wasn't even a clip. It was just a static picture with the joke I wrote on it. And it was just like it got more shares, more everything. I was like, what the fuck? Damn like, damn and it was legit just from hashtag only fans. That was I it. almost hashtag OnlyFans the other day, but I didn't I guarantee it. you <laughs> if you do it and it's funny, like it'll get like it'll get passed up. And then like I had a clip that I put up on Instagram that wasn't getting any traction because I didn't put any hashtags in it. Then I went back, I deleted it, I re-uploaded it with the hashtags like uh, Latino, Black, Woke, and then now I'm at like damn near 30,000 views. And before it was even, it was barely cracking a 100. So it was <laughs> like those little things, I was stress like figure out, like, all right, what's this to do? But it's like, that's just not even real, though. <laughs> like, that's what sucks is like the social media shit's not even real sometimes. It's just like... You're just playing a game against a fucking algorithm that, yeah, you hope you could beat.
0: I know, but it's like, yeah, it sucks that it's not just great content doesn't just get automatically
1: noticed, right? You gotta like right. market you, it you well. Have, yeah, you have to like, I, like I run a show in Pilsen, and it's like we don't promote it until well, my strategy is I don't promote it until five days before the show. It's a monthly show, so like I'll do it the Friday before, through the weekend, and then the show on Wednesday the following week. And it's like, now I take a sponsored ad, and like, okay, now that I beat the algorithm because I paid Facebook to, but then like, now our shows have been packed. It's because like, <laughs> now, before, if I would have just posted it and shared it with my friends, they wouldn't have ever gotten any traction. Yeah. Now I got to pay Facebook.
0: So you're saying it could be worth paying Facebook? Honestly, if
1: you if you, if you you do it right, yeah. So like, I'll pay $10 for advertising, and I advertise a small circle just around the neighborhood of Pilsen that the show's in. There's no point in advertising around the whole city because right. you're not going to get those people. They're like, I'm not going to get people from Rogers Park to come all the way down to Pilsen for a show that they don't even fucking know. So it's like, you just got to learn those little tricks. And that's and that's basically all social media is just figuring out a way to fucking to beat the algorithm and you're just trying to beat the system it's somehow. competitive, man. Yeah. yeah.
0: You got to stand out somehow.
1: All right. And then it's like, some comics, is like Andrew Schultz, he's, he's figured that shit out. And now he's one of the biggest comics in the country right now. So... So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, like, where,
0: that's the only thing stopping you, maybe, or also content and just experiencing more things. Like, uh, what's the most, like, random experience you threw yourself into just, like, to get an experience or a story? Um, Shit, I can't even think about it. Well, I'll jump in. You did, while you think about it. uh, I did see something about about you and your uh, hoop life. So, I I like that (laughs) a lot. It was, like, hoop life is defined as, like, doing something different that, like, pretty much everyone uh, like questions you on right. including like your I, mother like your mother
1: op- automatically would question whatever means hoop life right and it was just like everyone thought it was about basketball but it was me just wearing an earring <laughs> it yeah. was like legit and everyone was like oh fuck i kind of like it it was like she so wore
0: like a big earring that like
1: a it wasn't a giant hoop it was a, oh, it was okay. like a michael jordan i don't know if you ever seen michael yeah, jordan, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it was like a michael jordan sized hoop cuz my mom had given it to me years ago I was like oh it's like the one michael jordan had and this was like 20 years ago so I, what I did was I only put it in just so I could uh, see if my my uh, piercings were still open. So I just put it in and I was like, man, I'm going to start wearing this fucking thing. And then I started wearing it and everyone was like, what the... So I started to just create a goofy hashtag, hashtag, or hoop life. And then I did another one with Fiesta Del Toe's. And that one was kind of pissing people off because it was just me taking pictures of my feet in oh, different no, locations. No, no. Some stuff's <laughs> not cool, man. <laughs> so, but I'm talking like, I'm in a Hooters and I had the fucking feet up and it was like the Hooters sign. But everyone was like, what the fuck are you doing? And that gained traction. It was just like little things like that, but it was only just still local amongst everybody else. Right. But like I've never really put myself into a wild situation. Well, I did do, other than like a one-night stand, I did that for the gram. But other you than, did one-night stand <laughs> for the gram? <laughs> yeah, because I was just like, all right, I got to go through with this whole thing. Like, I have to tell you the story, but I can't tell you now. But <laughs> yeah. I'd have to tell you the whole story. But uh, yeah, after that, it got to a certain point, where it was like, I'm only doing this for the story now. Like there's, there's literally nothing, no other reason for me to be doing this other than just to yeah. keep going for the story.
0: Sometimes you realize like, damn, I'm capturing some good stuff, but this is painful, but I'm going to keep going because I'm feeling it. Yeah. Feel like it's worth it. Like for me, when I went to Peru, I was like, I, I was reading about Peruvian culture for so long. Like I love ceviche. I love chicken and <laughs> I love Peruvian. I like the idea of Peruvian culture, right? And I read a lot All of right. books about it and I was like, wow, like the Incas, badass, whatever. Then I go, I, for, I go during, I mean, I tried to go like three different times over COVID, but finally oh, yeah. I was able to go, uh, but it was still a nightmare because of COVID. In Peru, they wear like double mask, and it defies all logic, double mask. And a face shield to go into like a supermarket Seven Eleven, right? Yeah. And at some point, I was just like, I was just like, <laughs> I just wanted to leave so bad, but like, I was getting great picks, you know? What I mean, right, like, yeah. Machu Picchu was empty, and I was like, had a, I had the place to myself, and I
1: was like, Yeah, that's because you can easily scare Latinos into like, All right, you're gonna die if you don't do this. Like, fuck it, we're gonna do Everyone it. Everyone like, just
0: respects and does whatever the freaking government tells yeah, them. Yeah, man. Like, I was, I was like, amazed. Because, by like that. we, like,
1: we are very, like, we give into fears. That it's that fear of God type shit. Yeah. They're like, because religion is so thick in the Latino community, that like, you you have a healthy fear of stuff, and if they tell you this thing will kill you, you're like, fuck it, I'm, it'll kill me. I'm just gonna do it. Like, you like you'll see even here, all the Latino mothers, they all got double masks up, face shields, they're all types of. Yeah. Yeah. The only reason I got vaccinated is because my mom was scared. Like, she kept texting me every single day, go get the vaccine. I was like, fine, fuck it, just like so yeah. this text.
0: Yeah. No, there's something about uh, Americans who are just like rebellious, right? I mean, yeah, because
1: I mean, you you don't care cuz it's like wait a minute we have access to we right. the internet and the luxury
0: like, to not care yeah. to not have
1: fear right it's a luxury to not be have fear right. right yeah it's definitely so it's like if you can get other sources of information readily but like all right well i could put this together and then like all right well, maybe I shouldn't give a fuck as much like and then that's what <laughs> happened like then you get the rest of the country cuz the people that only really care are the ones in the cities you think everywhere outside the city no one gives a fuck about covid right like I mean, like in the metropolitan area, I would say that. But you go downstate, Illinois, they don't give a fuck. Like, yeah, it's, they, uh, they honestly don't care, and it's just that's fear, just an American way of life. It's just I not- guess
0: fear, fear, like you were saying, fear congregates at the very top and at the very bottom, basically, because like mm-hmm. billionaires have lots of fears, man. They got too much money. They don't. They're like it's like it's almost better just to be in the chill middle
1: of things. You know yeah, what I mean that's why I'm a, a I hang out in the center yeah so uh
0: last few questions here yeah um so I know <laughs> smoke weed i mean, I used to smoke weed when I back way back, um probably maybe a bit more creative and i' i'm, I'm not, I'll regret it i, I kind of don't do that anymore and i'm I'm more of a yogi now and uh, uh focus on like getting high on on breathing and meditation exercise and just like you know good think good good just good habits but like yeah. what is one of your good healthy habits maybe
1: that you can share uh I work out. I I at least go to the, try to go to the gym at least five times a week. That's pretty much the only thing. Like granted, I undo everything I did by what I eat, <laughs> but at least I went into the gym for an hour, hour and a half. I worked out. I did what I could, like not what I could, but I I did the workout. Like you I still I, do, or you? Did? I I still do. Okay. Like as soon as the gyms opened back up uh, last year, I was I was in the gym every single day. It's like just uh, I don't I just. You just feel good about yourself. Like hmm. you get done, you break that sweat, you accomplish something, you walk out. Like today, I'm like even walking up these steps to get in here, my, couple, <laughs> my legs are killing me. It's yeah, like, yeah, no joke. <laughs> yeah, and it was just like a little twinge, and I was like, okay, this is cool. So like that, and um, I try to eat as clean as possible, but that doesn't always. I'm Puerto Rican. I gotta eat fried food. Right, be, right. I gotta eat shitty food sometimes. But um, other than like just working out, weed is really I smoke it, but it's not an all day thing. It's me. It's just like it's a nightcap, celebratory. Okay. Yeah, no, it's not even celebratory. <laughs> it's, no. just, it's just a nightcap. Like, all right, time to wind down. The day it hits like seven o'clock, eight o'clock, I yeah. smoke a blunt, I will smoke a joint, and then I just I just chill out for the rest of the night and go to sleep. I try to I try to get as much quality sleep as I can yeah. too. I'm not uh, I curb that. I used to be three a.m. Crawling in the bed, waking up at like yeah. eight, not getting any good sleep. So now it's like, all right, I'm in bed at eleven. Yeah, I wake up like eight. Proper sleep
0: schedule. I mean, I have some friends who are just like bonkers. They're like going to bed at three a.m. I'm like yo, respect the daylight. There's some power behind the sun and, and yeah. You know. And that's
1: the thing too. Like I try to get as much. Like I try to get just that vitamin D. If it's just twenty minutes outside in the sun, especially in Chicago in when it's summertime, mm. because you're not going to be able to get this in the winter. In the summertime, you have, I embrace like I don't I don't turn that air conditioning on in the car. I just let the heat. I just marinate in it. Marinate. Enough. I fucking like it. Yeah. But yeah, the sleep schedule thing I think actually really helped me out a lot. Just because I mean even like I keep tracking the Fitbit. Like oh your sleep score was eighty. It's like oh, fuck yeah I'm cracking an eighty. Like let's see if I can get better. better oh, that's sleep that's really good like good metric to like focus on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like because you hear I know a lot of people that just don't sleep and I'm like I look at you like bro you you're an odd person. Like, you, you, there's something that, there's there's some stimulant in you that's keeping you up that's not a natural thing. So, you're on fucking either Adderall or you're just drinking Monsters all day. Like, there's something in you that's like, I I don't know, you're kind of a tweaker right now. Like, you might not think it because you're not doing meth or whatever, but if you're just fucking sitting on caffeine, like, I'm good, I'm good, I haven't slept in fucking, like, I slept for two hours last night. Like, that's not a healthy way to live. No, no. Like, two hours, no. that's I'd be so mad every single day if I woke up and I was like, I only got two hours of sleep. Yeah, yeah, definitely those like,
0: days I just try to push through and,
1: and Right, get, so I can get to the night into the <laughs> like next I can, night and feel to myself yeah. again. I mean but yeah, that's all
0: real important stuff, man, hitting the gym, getting good sleep. Uh, and the gym actually helps the sleep. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean testosterone, but also just you you worked your body so you need to rest. Right. So you're not gonna be as like, yeah. uptight I, and stuff.
1: I get I get some really good sleep after days that I've worked out. Days that I don't and like I was like that's the one thing that I don't like about comedies, it's, it turns me into a vampire. So, I'm a night. A lot of late night shows. Because it's like a lot of things people. I tell people, like, I had three shows in that night and I'm fucking tired. Like, you're only up there for 10 minutes or something. I'm like, yeah, but my adrenaline spikes every single time mm. right before that show. And then it comes crashing down. And then the next show, I got to get that energy back up. And then so, but I, I'm just. Peaks and valleys the entire right. night, and if it was a great set, I'm still riding high on that. If it's a bad so set, so how to
0: come down from that and get good sleep without weed would be almost impossible. I mean, melatonin, you could have used melatonin, but I,
1: melatonin when I wake up, I don't feel good the next day. Oh yeah. I'm still like I'm am foggy. It's yeah. really weird. Like that's what weed. I feel foggy on weed now if I do it. Yeah. But like I guess you've become used to the the, the weed helping you sleep. Yeah, and so. the weed. I mean, it stops me from dreaming, <laughs> which kind of sucks, but. Uh, melatonin would give me some crazy dreams, oh, yeah? but like not smoking weed gives me even crazier. Dreams. Oh really? Yeah, yeah it's really because your brain's like, hey, we're sober. Let's use everything you fucking missed.
0: When are you most creative? like when you when you smoke weed, or before and during the day? Like what time of day are you most like creative? Would you say like for writing? Um,
1: for me, it's an all day process. Like weed depends on the weed. Sometimes I'll, I'll smoke. If I smoke with somebody else, I'm very creative. We're bouncing. Like I'm most creative when I'm with another comic. Yes, because. We're both kind of just riffing off each other, so it's like, um, if we're just having a conversation, and they're telling me what I gotta do or what they gotta do, like for shows coming up, and then we start talking about different topics. It's like, boom, 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 like we're bouncing jokes off each other. It's a it's a creative thing. That was the one thing I missed during the pandemic because it was like, I didn't have other comics to to sit there and riff with in the green room and like bullshit mm-hmm. and like get those things. I was like, yeah, me and my girl were sitting there watching TV the whole time, and it's like. But then everyone else is experiencing the same things as well. Like, you go on social media, it's like, oh yeah, I watch Tiger King. and It's off,
0: three
1: thousand yeah. posts about Tiger King. I was like, all right, this is this is not helping my brain at all. But it's me. It's just if I smoke and I had, start having a conversation with other comics, then you could just start seeing me like mm. the wheels are turning. I'm pulling the phone out. Like, I'm, I agree. Thank God for that phone, man. I
0: mean, imagine you used to have to carry around like a notepad. I'm sure some comics used to, man. Like, no, there's carry-
1: still some comics that like. There's comics that get up every morning and they legit write for a certain amount of time. I'm I oh, can't yeah, do that. Yeah. Like structured, no yeah. Idea. I took a I took a writing class and the guy he told us he's like, All right, here's what you do like for, the, for for three weeks, start writing like fifteen minutes, set a timer, fifteen minutes, just boom. Mm-hmm. Just write all the way through, no distractions. I tried it and I was like, I can't work like this. Yeah, it's a little forced for something. It them. is forced. for me, it's like I'm very much like a I have a thought in the car. Uh, I write this down and then I tell it I, on stage. I'll expand on that thought a little bit. So, like, I kind of I guess I kind of write on stage. Hmm. And that's
0: oh, so you, you throw yourself into situations improv a lot or you make up stuff on yeah, stage? Yeah. So, I will
1: like? well, not make up. So, what I'll do is like if I have the thought in my head in like a premise or something in my phone, I'll say it, I'll attach it to another to an old joke that I know that works. And I'll attach it and then I'll just kind of riff off of it. And I'll give myself about 30 seconds. People don't realize how long 30 seconds really is of talking. And if you're just talking for thirty seconds and you get nothing out of it, you're like, all right, <laughs> let me switch this up. And then, but I'll keep beating that thing because like I know that part's funny. So I, every time I do a show, I'll say some, I'll say it a different way, or I'll say something different. And then until finally I get the laughs I want, and then I'm just like, all right, cool. Yeah. Like, and
0: then your fans appreciate that too, right? I, that, it's a little different every time. So. Yeah,
1: because I, I've actually had. See, here's the thing with comedies, like. You have people that they, this. They've seen you before. I get people like, "Oh yeah, I've seen it before." I was like, "All right, well, I don't. Well, how long ago?" Like, "All right, could, it's completely different." But I have people that come to like every, like, not every show of mine, but like they go to a lot of comedy shows. So I see these people, and when I see them, like, "Fuck," I don't have nothing new for them. But I mean, it's literally just one person out of one hundred and fifty right, people. But still, so, you notice, right? Like, so I would tell them like, "All right," and then but they'll come up to like. Well, you added something. Like, they, they pay attention. and like, yeah, you added that part. You added that line. That shit was funny. I was like, oh, okay. So now I'll take dirt. I'm like, all right, if it works for them, like, I can just keep doing it. And then I would keep expanding the joke. So, like, I had to... The joke I do about my dog, it started with one line, and now it's eight minutes in total. Because I combined it with other shit. I just made it a bigger, longer thing. It was like... But that all came from me doing it on stage. I couldn't... There's no way I would have pieced that together writing it. That It took me... A energy thing like right feeling the vibe like all right cool cool oh shit let me if i say this here yeah and then it worked it's like oh, fuck. all right now i just i just make sure i got to record it and then i can go back and listen to how i did it and then Ding. that's it all right sounds like you got some only fans in your future bro right? <laughs> hopefully for the feet thing I want,
0: <laughs> if i do my fiesta to the toes only fans yeah. i can do it yeah I used to be a fetish i, I never got into it but <laughs> um, anyhow last question um who are some cool characters in Chicago that could be fun for the podcast or slash comedians? Even not comedians, but cool people you respect.
1: Just random, whatever comes to mind. Uh, got my homie Joey Via Gomez. He's a back of the yard, Southside comic. Probably the first comic that I met. Like when I first started, he was already kind of doing it, and he's uh he's made a big name for himself in the city. Um. Who else we got? We got Adam Burke would be great because he's, he's uh, another comedian but he lives in Chicago. He's from Ireland. Grew up in England. He's got a great fucking story to him. So he I think he'd be a really interesting dude to to have on a podcast. Um Any like uh, Puerto Rican restaurants or anything that you like? Puerto Rican restaurants that I like? I like the... It's called Hiboritos uh, on Harlem. It's way up by me. That's a traditional Puerto Rican restaurant. Um what else where do I eat it a lot that's pretty much the only because Puerto- every Puerto Rican food I just get in my mom's house but like yeah. <laughs> that one I trust there's another there's one on Fullerton as well it's called Jibarito. uh is on Fullerton I think it might be called I'm not sure but
0: alright man yeah. well uh,
1: thanks for joining man this is just great I, yeah, I'm man. looking forward to seeing you are you going to be there Tuesday at La Factory no I'll be at Zaney's Monday Tuesday Uh, Zaney's in Old Town and then actually I'm actually headlining This is Old Town Zanies on the 25th. And then I'm headlining the Zanies Rosemont September 10th. Okay. All
0: right. Well, everyone check out uh, Avi's Instagram for all the the new jokes coming out. Avi Sanchez Comedy. (laughs) not just Comedy, bro. I love it. I love the hustle. I love... It's not even that much of a hustle for you. It's a little more... uh, You're enjoying the process. But you're working hard. You're learning the ins and outs of
1: hashtagging. Yeah. Um, (laughs) That's how you know I'm old. Like, you know what a hashtag is? (laughs) I figured it out. Like, I finally figured out the one hashtag and everyone's yeah. onto something new now so it doesn't even fucking matter yeah.
0: well, alright bro I'm, I'm looking forward to coming to catch one of your next sets getting a good pick yeah man and uh, we'll get some stories for everybody on Instagram too some of your good jokes and yeah let's go we'll go from there share them up alright brother alright